G'day, Warpstone Addicts, AOS Coach here. No, we're not late. I can see people in the chat going, we're almost late. Settle down, settle down. A, a good Clan Eshin person is never late. We sneak out of the, uh, we sneak out of our gnar holes in the shadows when we're ready. Um, by the way, how awesome was that Skaven um, uh, Golden Demon entry with them climbing down the wall? That was incredible. It is the Skaven show, by the way, uh, and I am very excited to line up my best warp stone. Um, I've, I've had a shot, and we're going to talk Skaven. And I'm joined by Jacob Brendan, who uh, is not only an incredible member in my Discord, who is leading the, the clans, but also you did incredibly well at the Nova Open. You went, um, you top eight. So the way Nova works is that, you know, it's a big five game tournament. And then the top eight kind of have like a knockout final. So you played in the knockout. So you are definitely on the council when it comes to Skaven. And we're going to talk uh, a bit about your experience, how you're finding Skaven, what's working for you at the moment, and maybe get some tips and hints on how to start playing Skaven and like, We'll go into your list, but also how you think about it in the current edition. But before we get into all of that, g'day, welcome, introduce yourself. Hello, so I'm Jacob Brandon. I live mainly on the East Coast, and I play mainly up and down the East Coast, but I've been really active in the last couple U.S. Opens. So I went to New Orleans, um, been at Adepticon, uh, I've been at Nova, I've been to most of the major tournaments, and I've played in the U.S. since like early 2011 in most Warhammer Fantasy and then AOS. So I've been active since then, and I think a lot of people recognize me. I was the U.S. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy Master in 2015. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If, if whoa, anybody have, remembers that. We have royalty here. I. <laughs> it, it's funny, like we were talking just before we went live. I got into Fantasy Battles in like late 3rd edition, early 4th edition, that I um I grew up in a really small country town of like ten thousand people in you know in the middle of nowhere. So for a lot of my my Warhammer history um, and being a teenager, um, I never actually went to a tournament until Age of Sigma. I never got a chance to play competitive fantasy battles at a tournament, and uh, I would have loved to have done it because I'm a big Empire man, and as we know, Skaven and Empire have that relationship you're always eating the eating my cheese you're always coming up from the under empire and um i got i got to play skaven a lot because of the um isle of blood box which why are those rat ogres still unavailable i will never know they are the best rat ogres they've produced gw has a bad tendency with the skaven line of making really good models and then discontinuing them for some reason even those those were plastic and unfortunately i think everybody was really excited to see new skaven models with the last book because some of them are older than i am pushing like 30 i think the sky acolytes are pushing 33 years 92 and i think they came out i think 92 93 i they think came 92 out. yeah because they're a little bit older than me and like even the warp fire thrower the actual one that's supposed to be played in game is like early 90s but um yeah the the range is awesome the amount of war scrolls you have is awesome but a lot of people still have it from fantasy because there's so many models and they've just been they're probably one of the besides seraphon it's like one of the bigger war scroll books that has basically maintained since fantasy so it's a huge crowd favorite yeah and it was always a fa uh, a crowd favorite in fantasy battles i i got to play skaven a lot and you know you're in a lot of the video games either as the the main or the enemy um skaven is just one of those unique ips and 
for me, like I look at these and I'm, I, I don't play Skaven. It's one of the armies that I feel like I should at some point because it plays well to what I really like. Uh, I love my gits and I feel like this is the chaos gits and the Eshin and the, um, the Eshin and the Scryer in me, especially like Doom Wheels. I just like, if Doom Wheels ever got like good competitively, uh, I'd probably run an army full of Doom Wheels, but I'm the same idiot that wants to run off an army full of steam tanks. It it is amazing because I know a lot of people love um, Total War, and that plus Vermintide has really pushed people into wanting to play Skaven. And you get a lot of outside of the miniatures game people that recognize the IP. So that's really really cool. Like I have plenty of people that I tell like, oh, I play Warhammer, and they're like, oh, what is that? I'm like, well, have you seen the video games? And they're like, yeah, I've seen Vermintide, or I've seen Total War because those are huge, basically blockbuster A-list games. And then I can relate it through there. So, yeah, Skaven are really awesome. I think the amount of options you have is one of the biggest draws for me. I remember when I first got to AOS, I looked at some of the armies like Fire Slayers. I was like, why do they have only eight War Scrolls? <laughs> I want more options. <laughs> Where are their pants? Where are their pants? Yeah. <laughs> so, I I think that alone draws a lot of people to Skaven, and the amount of time you can put into the army and still be fresh is really important i know a lot of people asked for different types of lists so different clans each clan you could easily build an entire entirely different army besides being mixed just mono clans and have a blast and be pretty good so that's a huge draw and why i'd recommend everybody to pick up the book at least because there's so much to explore yeah, like one of the reasons why I'm really drawn to Skaven, um, and, and it will be, I know it'll be an army that I play eventually, even though I don't want to do any more hordes. I've got my, I've got my cities, I've got my gits, I'm hoarded out. There's something about Skaven to me that really draws me. Um, it's the fact that you've got awesome characters, you know, and even if you go back to fantasy days of like Ickit Claw and Deathmaster Snitch and you've got Thankwill and you've got Bone Reaper and you've got all these awesome, interesting characters. There's the, there's so much crazy hobby conversion, whether it's, you know, the OSL and the lighting with Warpstone, whether it is, you know, painting up, you know, interesting furs and having like a, a, a white rat that might be like the golden child and some of the craziness that comes out of Skaven, I think is what, what really draws me to the faction. And um, they're just so detailed. Like, they're so detailed with character uh, compared to like, say fire slayers, as you mentioned, who to me just look like a wave of, of monotone models. Of yeah. I still can't just tell dudes. the difference between like a Hearthguard yeah. Berserker and um, a, a, a Rune Sun. Yeah, the the Skyer, like when you look at a an army of Skaven, when you hear, oh, I'm gonna play Skaven, you probably don't have a good guess on what you're gonna play, which I already think is a amazing part of the game, because I could think, oh, I might play the old all pestilence army, I could see a ton of plague monks, or I could see rat ogres, or I could see storm fiends. Like those are hugely different armies, and it's gonna be fresh each time. They're gonna be very thematically different even though they're still rats you can look at it and be like oh that's really really cool i know i've walked up to tournaments like adepticon where i've seen huge display boards of the under empire and just alone you could have like pools of disease happening you could have much more mechanical like there's so much room to explore um, aesthetically with your modeling which is a huge boon for getting out of any slumps because you can switch from project to project and just be like, okay, cool. I'm still working on my Skaven, but I'm getting a huge different lead of, oh, I'm working painting flesh. I'm painting metal. I'm going to paint 
warpstone weapons like these these are hugely different things but you're still sticking to that main army and building out your your roster basically plus i've seen awesome awesome crazy people go to events so like shout out to um matt you know who you are matt uh all as well as um there's a few other people who have like scarlet for example where i've seen a few bunch of skaven people and they've used mousetrap the board game as their display board i have seen people scarlet for example i think it was um had converted everything cheese so like yes. her purple sun was a ball of cheese her geminids were balls of cheese there was all of these other like i think she had like a is it lachlan the soul seeker the the um the endless spell it was like a skaven person on a surfboard of cheese yes. like there's just so much absurdity and that's kind of what draws me to the fantasy battles which is still the grim dark but also at the same time the quirkiness that is um is skaven and to your point as well probably one thing that i've noticed as i've gone through the third edition books is there's a lot of single focus like you know sub faction a i'm gonna be really careful because i've just i've recorded all my lumineth and my sun <laughs> stuff but it doesn't come out for another eight hours yeah. but like you go to like zench and it's like you know you've got this sub faction and it's focusing you on mortals and this sub faction's focusing you on hearthguard berserkers but you and i guess this is the blessing and the curse with skaven is that there is no sub faction when you pick skaven you are skaven and it's how you build your army and the different heroes and the different combinations that your army does swing one way to the other and it's not governed by sub allegiance and i imagine for some people it's very free, uh, freeing but also for some people, it's like, well, where do I go? Do I do get all the clans? Do I go mono clan? Do I try to do two clans in one book? Um, and there's obviously pros and cons on either side. I think that is actually probably one of my favorite changes that GW did with this second to third book was the original or the second book was you had to stay mono clan to pull in the certain abilities. I really, really like the take a character, you get a battle line selection of that slot because it allows for that mix and match. And you're not dragged down on points by, because uh, I think it was 150 points for clan rats in the second book. You're, you're not losing out 500 points of your list to take a generic thing where it's much more in control now. But I do think it's good that you feel like you're forced on options because you don't want it to be like an obvious choice. You want it to be, oh, I might have to make this little sacrifice here to get what I want, but oh, that loses me something over here that I wanted. But that's a good thing. You want it to be fresh. You don't want there to be an obvious list every time. So I think that's a great change. And it allows you to build into those factions that you don't see as much because in the second book, it was basically Skyre and Mixed and Mixed was still like 50% Skyre. But now, I think you see a lot more mixed with Thanquil and the Vermin Lords playing a huge part in that role. And you can see a lot more of sub-factions in your grouping. So a Skaven list is 2,000 points. Most of us play 2,000-point games. And usually, you're going to see 500 points allocated to each kind of faction. There's little packets that you want to take. I and mean, that's the way I think about it. Okay, that, first off, I want to pause there and because I want to ask you about Thankful before I forget it. I know that we'll get deep into it and I want to talk to you about Thankful loadout for a second. But mm -hmm. before we get to that one, I just want to unpack that a little bit. So you mentioned the way that you're looking at your list is approximately 500 point packets. So does that mean that you're running four clans? Are you running like four four groups of power pairs where approximately, you know, it could be like Thankful and, um, and the boat? It could yeah. be uh, Rad Ogres and the Master Molder 
and that's your 500. Can you explain more about that? So I think when you approach a Skaven list, you have the ability that most books don't have is to uh, pick into each set of the rules. So most books don't always have a great shooting phase. Some don't have a great magic phase. Some don't have a great combat phase or movement phase. Skaven have the ability to kind of pick into each of those. So I remember a lot of people asked me after Sobber Slaughter why I took a cannon with an engineer and two units of Gisales. Because it's 500 points and it fills that role of going first or second and providing long-range threat. Boom. It's a small commitment. I have a solid grouping in my list. And that packet can operate on its own and work very well. Same thing with the gutter runners and a deceiver. It's around. It's a little bit more than that. It's probably more in the 700 point range, but it's your general, so okay, whatever. Um, again, it fills a role that I want on the battlefield, and it again operates on its own. Um, Thank Will in the boat is another 500 points, and each of these little packets give you an answer to the game. So Thank Will clears hordes. I I think. Unfortunately, four uh, Warfire Throwers is the best loadout, even though it's boring. I, I think it's just always the best choice. Because when you take something like that, you are planning to deal with an opponent's piece. And you want it to be at the best possible thing to deal with that piece when you take it. That was the follow-up question I wanted to ask you. And by the way, Grace here, I will come. I know it's late for the UK, so thank you for joining us. And while we'll get to this question, I definitely want to talk to you. Because we were talking before the stream started that... The we're currently obviously if you're if you're watching this live you already know this but if you're watching this you know six months from the recording um we are playing in a meta with GVs or Gladian veterans and you know things like bounty hunters are clearing your armies like a stiff breeze and that's unfortunately a real penalty against things like clan rats and I know some people really enjoy running those big hordes of clan rats and then your Gracier on Screaming Bell has lost the battle shock immunity that it used to have which is just another impact to that horde style Skaven that we used to have. So I do want to talk to um, to my guest at some point very soon about how you look at the Battleshock community. And does that mean that we go to, um, does it mean you're running more minimum size units? Does it, you know, does it encourage you now to go to more elite style Storm Fiends, Rat Ogres, than you would the 80 to 100 Clan Rats? So definitely unfortunately i think so um one of the biggest things we've seen from a change from second edition to third edition is there's a lot more things that either turn off battleshock immunity with even inspiring presence like night haunt for example is terrible to play against if you're relying even if you're just relying on one point of or your one command point to battleshock something you that's not necessarily going to happen horror guests are running around pretty not uncommonly but they're they're out there they're becoming um, more popular. They're, they're becoming, becoming more way popular. more popular. Um, so there's a lot of things that even if you are going to plan to play a horde and you're taking certain Battleshock communities and planning that in, it's not the safest bet. And also, again, like Skaven really suffer with leadership. You have a lot of leadership for heroic inspiring. Or the uh, heroic recovery is not great on your characters because I think most are fives or sixes. Unless you're doing it on the Vermin Lords, they're tens, but okay. Um, it... I just don't think right now is the right time to go large units. I think the downsides are way too high. And I think Skaven operate just as well being elite. Yeah, you, you run into some losses. Like, you're going to lose some models through Battleshock, but I think that's just part of the course for playing Skaven. You're going to have to be okay with that. Clan Rats recover D3 at the end of each uh, Battleshock phase, which is really good. That's a huge. I think that's the biggest change since the second edition that made them really good. 
Um, well, you also you also lost your bravery boost. So back in the back in the day, for anyone who remembers second edition, for every ten models, you used to get plus one bravery, and then Skaven used to double that. So that was another impact in addition to the the bell disappearing, and then obviously the immunity battleshock. Uh, Arthur in the chat calling out a really good point is the battleshock community seems to be only around the plague furnace. So if you want to be doing that style, then you want to be thinking about instead of maximizing your uh, clan rats. You're probably building around your plague monks around the furnace, and that's that's your horde. Clan rats right now basically are just the best zombies in the game. Unfortunately, they are just bodies. Um, I usually take the two units because again, it slots into expert conquerors very well. They are annoying. They're going to hold you up against any type of orc player or any destruction player. They're a great screen. Um, that's basically what their job's going to be. I don't think damage is the right way to go with them. Even though it is really cool, there's a lot of attack buffs you can give them. You can scaven brew them. You can, um, the claw lord can give them plus one attack. You can even take a claw or the vermin lord. They give them plus one plus one. There's huge amounts of buffs that you can pour into them, but you're just going to lose way too many, and your payoff still is going to be way too low to make that work. So I think the elite units are better. Skaven is one of the biggest problems with Skaven is you don't really have an anvil to hold anything. Everything's going to be paper, but you actually probably have some of the best DPS checks in the game because a lot of your stuff is random, so it's really hard to calculate as an opponent to check to see if I can hold against this thing. A Warp Lightning Cannon is the scariest thing in the game because it can do two mortal wounds or zero, or it can do 12 just instantly to you. And there goes your big character. Yep, yep. I um, we were talking before we went live. Um, since the 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 new battle tome, I've played Skaven at least eight times, uh, and it's been wonderful because every list has been different. Even though I've played the same opponent a couple of times, um, because we've been matched up at like our local RTT or we've had a game outside. All of the different games, not all games, but by the same player, by the way. But I've played so many different versions of lists, whether it has been to your point lots of uh, warp lightning cannons. And you mentioned that you aren't very good at being an anvil. You're holding holding a defense, right? But the way I see Skaven, especially with your style, is you can blow me off the board before I get there. So, uh, and I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I had a game against a insane person called Jaren, incredible, crazy person. He had three warp lightning cannons. He had like six to eight rattling guns had Gisales. He just had all the mortal wound shooting. And it was either he was going to kill himself or he was going to kill me. And we're, we're, we're neck and neck at this particular point in the battle. And he shot, he's rolled nothing but six, rolled nothing but ones on his warp lightning cannon. So it's like six mortal wounds, six mortal wounds. I've got a dragon on one wound left going for his objective. He's on one wound left. It was unleash hell. He was probably going to kill the dragon. And if it wasn't for a rally roll of a six to bring back another dragon at full health, he would have just blown me off the board. Um, such a game swinger. And because he was just shooting off my, my army before I got there, that it wasn't one for one. It was like, he, he was, his attrition was incredible. Mm-hmm. I also have a new, I have a new uh, found respect for rattling guns. Now I have an absolute one, undat- one killed my prime, my Celestine prime four up ward, eight, eight wounds on a three up armor save one by himself. I actually unwounded, was... unwounded, unwounded. The rattling guns just like seven damage, 14, 14 failed all my wards. Prime was dead to a 65-point idiot. 
I played Rattling Guns a lot in the second edition book. I was a huge fan of building into it with the uh, the rerolls and the three weapons teams in a unit. Um, unfortunately, they got rid of that with the newest book. But I still think Rattling Guns and Warp Fire Throwers, if more units become prevalent, are great picks. And they're just like solid one-ofs just to be a scary random threat. You're almost always going to trade positive on those units. I, I would disagree a little bit. I think Skaven Attrition is actually probably one of the worst in the game, mainly because you kill yourself when you do these things. <laughs> so I I think actually a lot of people think Skaven are a long-term game. They're not. They're actually going to be a turn one, turn two army because I want to do as much damage to you as I can as I die because I'm, I'm going to die. Like I'm, I'm boosting everything that I take in my list are boosting because I want to maximize that damage early. I'm playing Skaven. I'm trying to blow you off the board. And I know my stuff is like my Warp Lightning Cannons. They're going to get three rounds of shooting. Even if you never touch them, they're going to kill themselves after three rounds. That's just what the math says. And that's what happens most of the time. But it could do 36 mortal wounds to a prime or, <laughs> or blow off a unit of two dragons, which is a great point change. So. And and when I say that you are good at holding, it's not that you are a tanky Stormcast uh, Phoenix Guard, you're sitting on there and you can outgrind me. That is not the game that you play. It is that when I keep going up to your objectives, you are going to blow me off the board. Yeah. And I remember this conversation with Jaron. We, we literally rocked up to the tables with each other and he said, hi, I roll a lot of ones. This game is going to either end quickly for you or quickly for me. I don't know. I don't know which part of this game is going to happen, but we're going to have fun either way. And that's exactly what happened. Um, by the way, we did go five rounds, which was funny. It was like funny, but you're right. Like it's either you're going to roll a heap of ones and twos on your warp lightning cannon and just do six mortal wounds for days, or you're going to completely fluff, roll fives and sixes, roll a bunch of doubles, kill yourself, uh, mortal wound yourself off, and it's, yeah, it's I did one all of the hard other. work for you. <laughs> so, yeah. So how how do you embrace that? How do you embrace the fact that you're so unpredictable, you have great potential, but also things can swing so badly that you know that turn one, uh, you got the warp lightning cannons, you roll fives and sixes, so you do one or two mortal wounds, then that person comes at you, double turns you, and you die. So. I think that's one of my favorite things about playing this army and the list I've played at Summer Slaughter here or at Nova and the Duck Stravaganza, which I think Rob talked about recently. What I've got, I went four and one at each of them. And the sad part about Skaven is you're going to have those games where the dice are floppy. Like you're going to blow everything up. You're not going to do any damage. Um, the best way you can do is just mitigate it and know that that's going to happen. So you, you have the ability to outdrop most people in the game. So my list was 12 drops. I think in the current meta, people are still leaning one drops or maybe four to five. Um, you're going to get as much information out of your opponent as possible to make it a weird spot where you can either go first or second and you're happier at the result. result. Most a lot, a lot of people don't want to give you a chance to double. A Skaven double is really devastating. Even if I'm rolling bad, I'm going to blow a lot of stuff off the board on a double. And going first is still really scary, too, because the way you deploy with Vermin Lords and Skitter Leaps and Teleports, you can bring to bear a lot of your army turn one. And if you want to play it safe, you can do that. Skaven shooting is pretty long range. 
Uh, stand and shoots are really, really scary, especially if you're playing Storm Fiends. You're going to have to get charged by two huge units to survive that. Or if you're playing like the cannons, 27 inches is a lot. And even if a double happens, usually they're only going to get in on that double, not on the primary turn. 27 inches is a lot of ground to clear with most units. So you kind of hedge your bet that way, and you try to lean into the, I want to kill a lot of stuff turn one, I want to be kind of safe, I really want to maximize my turn two. And by turn three, your shit's dying because you've been doing stuff <laughs> and you're scaven. So you really, really need to make sure that you've killed enough by that point. So you either you want to get enough of a lead that as the game swings against you, that you you still win. Yes. Or you've done enough damage that it's not a now it's not now a two thousand point versus two thousand point. It's like you know fifteen hundred points, one thousand points. And I've seen that a lot with the thankful combination where turn one, if my opponent has thankful, they will often throw him up the board using the breed of the boat to get you in your face. Yeah, Thankful might die in turn one, but he, with his burninating of the Braziers, um, usually does enough damage to mitigate the hitback or has like neutralized that key threat either before my buffs are out. Like, I remember, I remember one game at the start of third edition, Thankful, I think it was my first game against the new book, Thankful literally boated up, burninated 40, 44 mortal wounds to my Witch Elves. Um, because he like he had the four the four loadout. By the way, out of curiosity, can I ask a little bit more about Thankful? Because I know a lot of people like Thankful, and it's always discussion: Do I go combat heavy? Do I go shooting heavy? Do I go mixed? And one of the things that I've noticed is my opponents have always gone for four of the shooting options, which has been good in certain matchups. But when I get him into combat, he dives pretty quickly. So I've not I've never been concerned about Thankful in melee. <laughs> Um, Thankful in melee, unfortunately, just isn't as good on the mass side. I think when you take certain things in Skaven, you're taking them for a reason. You don't actually have a lot of good horde clear. You have a lot of quality. So Warp Lightning Cannons are mortals, but you max out at 12. Uh, Rattling Guns are good quality versus hordes, but again, it's not that great versus the armor right now. So Stormcast are really, really good versus Rattling Guns. You only rend one. You're going to bounce off. But... Thankful with the mortals is almost always going to be good against any unit that has two or less wounds, no matter what their save is. That alone, with the stand and shoot possibility, is amazing. Um, it just what he can threaten in your opponent's army is much wider and going to be much more common if you take the four warp fire throwers than if you take the melee version. Um, one of the other big bummers for Thankful is he doesn't benefit from Scurry Away or the Lookout Sirs because he's a monster and he's technically mounted. So once he's stuck, he's really stuck. So you don't want him into melee with something he's going to get beat or he's going to be beaten on. But if he gets held up by one other monster after he's killed a unit, that's totally fine. You are totally fine with Archeon or some other giant going to chase down Thankful and not get an objective for two turns. And he's done his job. Yeah, he he can be relatively tanky with his ward save. I just find that if I can if I can minimize that damage early on against Thankful, I can lift him pretty quickly in combat. Which which kind of le led me to the question: Do you think going uh, a 50-50 split between two weapons, being shooting two weapons in melee, is a good approach? But from what I'm hearing from you, um, going all in is probably the better option. I, I think redundancy is much more important at that point. You want to guarantee the things that you want to kill are going to die. 
I don't think the upside of going two and two is that strong because again, like we said, he's not actually that tanky. He will die to something that wants to kill him. And that's more the commitment point. You want him to make them go kill him, not for him to survive. If he survives, it's icing on the cake. But his job is already done if he blows up a unit, holds another unit, and then he stops some casting from your opponent, especially if with the plus three or plus four, if you get him near a knot hole or a piece of arcane, that's going to stop a lot of stuff. I've had so, plus five. I've had plus yeah. five Thankful, no hole with arcane terrain and his yeah. big base. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to call that because I know it's a lot of big discussion. A couple of questions from the chat, and um, I want to get into some of the rules and get your thinking around how you look at Skaven. Um, first one, Gracia, being a UK person, it's like, you know, probably seven o'clock in the morning. No, it's actually really late for them. Are clan rat screens the only way to survive something like a first, first turn more crusher charge? So, do you think one there's enough alpha strikes and are clan rats the the way that you look at screens or do you have some other shenanigans clan rats are probably the best screens in the game right now because they are cheaper than zombies all engine points for 20 bodies is really really good um iron draws have kind of dropped off in popularity in the us they they're more they were like almost 10 percent uh about six months ago and now they're probably down to like five percent um, but Maw Crushers were still really scary. Maw Crushers were one of the biggest problems for Skaven with bringing pigs full force. So, yes, I do think Clan Rats are the best bet. Um, just because you're not always going to be able to hide your entire army, you need to screen at some point. And they take up so much board space mm. and not committal. Like, I can easily screen my entire army with 200 points. And that is a great, great benefit because that means you had to go first. You're going to give me a chance at a double, and you're going to kill 200 points in my army with 1,800 points about to hit you back, and the chance for a double. So I'm going to make every Iron Jaw player go first, or they're going to go first because they're playing Destruction. And then I'm going to say, I'm going to either win a 40-60 to win this game, or we're going to play an even game from there on out. Clan Rats are probably the number one answer, even if you're not going to take, um, or if you're going to take other factions, if you want to play the Plague Monks or whatever. You're just your point per model is so low and so beneficial to take clan rats on screen. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think if I ran it, I would at least have one, if not two, units of clan rats. Whether it is for backboarding, whether it is to protect me from the front, whether it is just some cheeky GVs that can be scoring objectives while most of my force goes out and goes hunts and jumping around using gnar holes. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely see value, but I wouldn't overinvest. And one of the things you mentioned early on going back to Thankwool is trading up. It's having that piece like Thankwool or your uh, Vermin Lord or whatever your big tanky piece, your, um, your Storm Fiends, going after things and generating more value than you're giving away. Like, yes, Thankwool's going to die, but hopefully it, 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 it destroys my key unit. The thing that's going to win me the game, that's going to hold the objective, that's going to punish me later, whether it's my shooters, whether it is some type of tanky melee unit, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We're looking um, for early wins, and he stops the magic, and he can blow up units. So that's, he did his job, he's going to be great. We're, almost every unit I take has that type of job where I want it to perform something early, and I want it to do it really well, and that's why it's in my list. Do you think they ruined Scurry Away? I this is a question from the chat. I don't recall the changes between Scurry Away. 
Um, I believe the old scurry way was just if you weren't a um, actually, I, I think everybody qualified for qualified for scurry away before. I don't mind it. I think the bells are the 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 plague furnace, the bell, and thankful was a little bit weaker due to it. But thankful being able to ride the boat now makes up for that a lot. So I don't think that's a huge downside. I, I will take the boat change over the scurry away change any time of the day. And I think scurry away is one of the most powerful things in my list or anybody who wants to run a deceiver with the warps are the um the shadow magnet trinket. I think it's one of the strongest things this book has to offer in terms of ability to screw up your opponent. And scurry away alone is kind of like a pseudo ASF on most of your units for army most of your characters. There's been a lot of games where if you screen with two vermin lords, for example, you basically gave ASF to the other one because he can run away on your opponent's sequence and you can deny uh, charges like that. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what that means, what is AF ASF? Oh, ASF is an old fancy term. It's always strikes first. So there's an item uh, that gives a Eshen character always strikes first. Um, and because you are always strikes first with scurry away, you get charged by your opponent and then you say bye and you just get to move your 12 inches away and they basically didn't charge you and then it'll either go into your turn or you have a chance for a double or anything like that it lets you control the swings of combat very very well and with two vermin lords that's a lot of space to screen with that your opponent might not be able to handle well, we were talking about this before we went live as well that um i was, I was talking about a game that i recently had where um I got given first, oh no, th my, my opponent went heavy at me first, you know, threw Thankwell up the board, threw a Verminal up the board, very aggressive t first one. I kind of fought out of my, my own deployment in turn one. Then I was kind of on the counter attack in turn two to turn three. And th there was an example where I had two dragons going into a block of six or four rat ogres um, that were on an objective, as well as um, there was a master molder little, little hero. And I try, I charge the dragons into the ogres. I charge the chariot into um, the master molder, and I and I did a couple of impact hits, but not enough to kill the, the the master molder. And the stupid thing that I did is I went the dragons into the ogres, killed the ogres, but then when it was my opponent's turn, he just scurried away the master molder on one wound left, and then used the three up to bring back the unit, which. Which really, in hindsight, if I'd swapped that rotation and I'd hit with the chariot, sure, I would have killed the hero, but then the rat ogres would have swung back at the dragons and may have killed the dragons. So I guess the thing is you you're you're forcing tough decisions. Damned if yeah. you do, damned if you don't. And 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 as a player, that's a good thing to have. You want to force your opponent to make tough decisions. It's beautiful because a lot of the characters are very squishy, so they will die in combat for the little support heroes. But you get the chance to get away because if they don't, then like you said, you're going to get slammed by rat ogres or some other big unit. For me, I run the the 15 gutter runners. They're no joke in combat. So it's either you can fight the good fight and kill my unit, but you won't get my characters. Or you can kill my character, but you're going to get slapped back by something hard. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's where trading up, having multiple threats is going to be key. I'm going to bring up the rules because I think this is one of the things that I love about Skaven is just so much, you know, list creation. It could be the Storm Fiends. I've seen really cool things with the Storm Vermin combining as, you know, combining with a, uh, a Vermin Lord. 
you know, Acolytes and um, Gisales are doing well at the moment. I haven't really seen a lot of Pestilence. Um, I've seen some Pestilence, but not nearly as much as you used to see, especially in first edition when you had, you actually had a battle tome. Pestilence actually had a battle tome. But I'd love to hear like your perspective on, on how you think about the rules, right? So as a Skaven player, I've got a couple of key rules. You've got lead from the back, which is subtract one from hit rolls made by melee weapons by um, that target Skaven. That's not a monster. How do you find that? I mean, to me, I read that as like, well, I don't want my I don't want my hero in combat anyway. Like, it's just a last resort. If it happens to be there, it's a minus one. It's really not that good, unfortunately. Um, the biggest thing that I've gotten benefit out from this is when you have a little character. Skaven characters fight okay; they're not amazing, but when they're minus one to hit, it just gives a little bit more support. If you want to go in like with a weak unit into another weak unit and then add your character in, they're usually not going to hit that character, and you're so squishy you don't want to get hit because you're not going to be able to heroic recovery most of the time. There's not a lot of ways to heal Skaven characters. Um, it's an it's an okay. It's probably the weakest out of the things. Scurry away, like we covered, is amazing. It gives your opponent tons of hard choices, and that's the whole point of this game. It's amazing to play around with. Um, can, I, can I just say, can I just oh, yeah. say one thing about lead from the back? Mm-hmm. One little combination that I've enjoyed with lead from the back, and um, I don't know if this is an underrated unit. I've only seen a couple of people use this this particular unit, but the new Underworlds Warband is it Slinks? Slinks. The, yeah. I love Slinks, that little unit doing mortal wounds, um, a great little – is it Deep Strikes within six, It not is a six-inch Deep Strike. Yep, it's very, very good. Slink is very, very good. Um, he is the perfect epitome of Skaven players where he is very, very squishy and very, very aggressive and hits really, really hard possibly. Um, I've played with him at one major tournament now. I've left him at home with the other ones. Um Slink is probably one of the better choices, even though he is high variance. So you're going to get 10 attacks of shooting, 6 from Slink, 4 from the the little dude. I forget their special names, the Sling guy. Um, You're looking for 6s for D3 mortals, and then everything else is basically a wound. So your ceiling is really, really high, but your floor and your average is really, really low. Um, The 6-inch Deep Strike is really, really strong. That's why I played the Deceiver. But um, you are only six wounds on an objective at that point, because four and two. Um, and Slink actually has the great AS, or again, the always strikes first rule when he's next to his unit. So you're, you don't really need the minus one as much there, because you're going to get away anyway. Um, again, it's just a, it's a nice little thing. It, but it's not going to keep your characters alive if they're getting hit by something hard. No, no, it's not a three up ward, but it's mm-hmm. definitely, it, it'll give, it'll help just a little bit, or it might force yeah. your opponent to use a command. Like perfect example. One of the last games I had played against slink, he had deep struck and went into my general. Who's like a six wound idiot. Um, and he got the charge again, six, a charge of six is a lot easier than a charge of nine. Mm-hmm. Um, did a bunch of mortal wounds and it was hard to grind him out as well. Uh, unfortunately fluffed the charge on the, um, on the, on the unit. But I think if the unit and the hero had charged my, my general, again, the five wound idiot, which is hard to screen out um, six inches would have died, would have made my command point generation. Well, I would have generated less commands. I would have lost certain abilities. So I just like that threat. But yeah. I just thought that might be one example where lead from the back might work. 
I've had it come up with my Plague Priest that I run. I run one Plague Priest in my army. Um, it does help with him, since the Plague Priests are minus one to wound in close combat as well. So being minus one to hit and minus one to wound is a big deal. And basically what you think of it is, this may save me a round of combat. Think mm. of it that way. It's I probably won't die to anything that's weak in one round. Like, he fought off a unit of um, Savage Orcs in the last game that I played because they went to, I think it's fours and fives at that point. And they, you just don't roll that many fours and fives. And if they do, then they do. It's okay. So you, you take every little edge you can get, but it's not something I play around. I, I don't um, I don't try to maximize this rule when I build in West. It's just a nice little bonus. It's a nice to have. It's a nice yeah. to have. And you've got strength of numbers as well. So adding one to the range of melee weapons used by Skaven for every 10. So what are we talking here? We're talking our Storm Vermin. We're talking our Clan Rats. We're talking... Who else are you taking above 10? Uh, gutter Runners are at 15 when you take the three-man. Um, the sad thing about this rule is with the current rules uh, of GV, it doesn't really matter. You're going to get most of those units into combat anyway. I do think the 30-man Storm Vermin benefit the most from this, because being three-inch range with um, Death Frenzy is a huge deal. But for everybody else, it's, it's not really a huge change. It doesn't really affect any other units. Um, your Clan Rats hit, get the GV rule. 15 gutters with the GV rule are going to get in combat anyway. Um, it's the units, the units that you want it to help are your storm vermin and your yeah. rat ogres, and they're not units of 10. So it doesn't really help them. Yeah. Uh, the storm vermin are probably the one big winner from this, uh, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of nice to haves, but I guess what I'm hearing from you is all three of those rules are not going to be, Oh my gosh, they're so amazing. I'm going to build my list around, x i i do think scurry away is an amazing ability but it's not list worthy it's more just your opponent can make a lot of mistakes and this is a pitfall that a lot of people fall into uh the, i didn't beat him with this book but um anthony trendinelli has done really really well in the last couple tournaments in the u.s and i beat him with the second edition skaven because of this rule the ability for vermin lords to run away after combat and move 12 is a huge deal for grabbing random objectives. If people leave objectives behind their army open and you need that to win the game, your vermin lord basically just got a 30-inch move because you can move up your 12, you can make a charge, and then instead of fighting, you just run away again. So, while you talk about that, actually, good good question, uh, good point actually from the chat from um, is it? Quarus, Quarus. Oh, it does help monks as well. Plague monks. Plague, uh, plague monks. Yes, from it too. Yeah, good, um, good shout. I was just, I was just triple checking to see what their, uh, their weapon range was. But yes, good, yeah. good shout there. I think with twenty GV will cover you, but with thirty, I think the strength in numbers, uh, is the bigger deal. And in, in three to four months' time, if GVs ever disappear with the bonds yeah. of battle, and we go into something completely different, you've still got this rule. So yes. as opposed to like you know, beasts of chaos running around, loving their bonds of battle. But guess what? That, that could be gone in a couple of months' time. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to talk to you about, actually, before we continue on, is narholes. We haven't spoken about narholes yet. I imagine this is a very interesting predicament for, a, an, a, for especially a newer or an inexperienced player. I've got three assets. They've all got to be, what, within six inches of a table edge, Um. Eight, I can't remember the but, rules. It's yeah. eight. It's eight. Yeah. How do you think about narholes? Do you have a strategy? Are you putting 
two in your side, one on their side, two on their side, one on your side? Are you thinking about objectives? Are you thinking about offense? Like how do you put, and obviously every opponent and battle plan and all that stuff is going to be different, but just what's some advice you give me with Nahols? So Nahols, I think you always want to put one on your side and two in your opponents. The way I think about a knothole is it's another trap that your opponent can fall into. Um, the way I play is I like to see as much information before I make decisions as possible. So I'm the 12 drops. I try to put my knowholes at points where either my opponent has to send a unit to go cover it, which is great because now they're two units down covering my knowholes. Even if they're weaker units, that's totally fine. Or I'm going to threaten a couple bombs turned one with a knothole. So something's going to teleport through, and I'm going to get a nine for a nasty charge on something. That's really, really good. And then the one-year deployment zone is super important because you want to get that plus one to cast on all your casters turn one, and then you kind of explode out from there. Um, the holes again, are just, they're a huge bonus to this army, and you want them probably either within three, well, they have to be three away from other terrain, but you want it next to another mystical or another arcane if it's on the table, because this gives you so much dominance in either the magic phase, or if you're playing uh, priests, the ability to get off a great plague um, is really, really strong and, and also can be random outs, which your opponent can't really plan for. A One of my favorite things with plague priests is great plagues are unmodified, are not, they're, they're not unmodified sixes. So if you teleport a plague priest to within three of a null hole and within one of a mysterious terrain, you get a four up for a great plague that can be super randomly devastating to some armies. <laughs> yeah. I've had a couple of great plagues go off on me and they're not fun. Mm -hmm. um, I was just thinking like another good use that I've seen null holes being used is um, you mentioned the warp lightning cannons, right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. They've got a movement characteristic. They've got restrictions on them. They only is can it... move three. So they are very, very slow, but Another beautiful thing about null holes is you can set up wild firing lanes with the teleports. Even if you're running an engineer, you have the ability to teleport a cannon. You can either skitter leap that engineer or he can just run. You can auto six him to get 15 inches of coverage and be able to blast away at somebody. So there's a lot of things that let your opponent fall into pitfalls turn one that the null holes enable. And it's really, really hard to play around them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as Killy McGee said as well, you know, thinking about, you know, if you've got one piece in the arcane, it's great. Because I've played against Thankful, who gets plus three to the cast, plus one from the Narhole, plus one from Arcane. It's a plus five cast. Um, if it wasn't for my um, my Stormcast model that has like an auto unbind once per game, it's it's near impossible to unbind plus five. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And you can so, go head to head with Croak or... or techless are a lord of change honestly too at that point so that's really really strong plus five is ridiculous so one that's offense but two as you've mentioned you know players will look at it and go right i need to screen this out because i'm fearful that uh some storm fiends or some offensive piece is going to come into my backfield go for an objective so i stretch my army out a little further to kind of or even maybe putting because you can't teleport if there is models within six Enemy within three so it's three. just like the sylvaneth wildwoods now um if they are within three they turn off the hole and you still have to teleport outside of nine so there's a couple angles because it's on the edge of the board that you can not be within three but still physically block it out but it's still a unit that like you said is committed and it's going to stretch your opponent out 
That's exactly right. So you've got an opponent who, if they're fearful of your gnar holes, they're going to put a unit within three inches so you don't teleport, which is great. But that's one to two units that are now not involved in the fight. And now you, you know, and let alone if that null hole's not on objective sc- con- uh, scoring area, then they're trying to retain objectives and deny your null holes while you've got a battle happening in the middle. So it can be a, a, a quite an interesting psychological threat. Or if somebody lets it go, there's always the what if. Yeah. What if something happens? It is very, very easy to run up to a null hole and jump through an objective another knot hole in your backfield late game to grab that random objective that you need for the have more. And that's a huge deal. So you, again, you want your opponent to spend as many points as you can on stuff that you didn't spend points for (laughs) that aren't going to be fighting. So like five revenants is probably the, the dream unit to babysit a knot hole. They have a teleport, they're relatively cheap and i'm still really really happy if my opponent is playing two units of revenants down this game like it's just it's a huge asset and you did nothing for it and it's just going to help you over the course of a game because now you're playing against 1800 points instead of 2000 what are good units to actually put through the holes like if you're thinking about them as an offensive play what are some of the ones that you enjoy more than others um vermin lords are always good because vermin lords are a little bit more tanky and being nine away is like the magic number for most vermin lords because with a redeploy or the deceiver can't be shot from nine away um you're still relatively safe um and then actually little characters are great bombs to throw through a novel with the scurry away because you can make a charge cover a lot of ground and then just get out of combat right away there's a lot of little tricks there which, which hero are you talking about specifically? Like a play like priest a or a, uh, an engineer. If you need to go grab an objective, since you count as two, you can slingshot yourself pretty far with a lot of those moves. Um, there's not a lot of melee units that, that I play that want to benefit from knot holes, but rat ogres are the easy one to go to. Um, 30 storm vermin, if you're running them, is a huge threat because if you make that nine, your opponent's basically screwed. Um, but... Honestly, I use it more as an escape tool and a backline objective grabber, grabber threatener more than a aggro all-in. Yeah, and I think if you want the aggro all-in, that's where the Thankful and the boat come in because it's consistent compared to teleporting. And that's always been the gamble, right? There's not a lot of consistency. If you put teleport from the hole, it's still a 9-inch charge. Yeah, you might re-roll it, but that's still approximately a 48% success rate. So mm-hmm. so it's, it's not guaranteed. And if you do that too early, you could get double-turned. And that, yeah. that Vermin Lord sitting there being shot at, mortal wounded, it'll die before it gets mm-hmm. into combat. Which actually leads me to a good question from Linguini Brothers. Uh, awesome name, by the way. <laughs> How cool is that name? Is what do you think? So do you think it's possible to build a good list without a Vermin Lord or Thankwill? Um, I'm, unfortunately, I don't think so. Uh, I think they just provide too much support into what you need to beat. I think the, the best way to go is, is Pestilence, if you're going to do that, or the Molder. But I'm really of the opinion, I love Vermin Lords. I think they're really well pointed. I think the new versions with Ren 2 are amazing. Um, the, they're just cool looking. I love all three of my Vermin Lords. They're the big model syndrome of they look awesome to play with. Um, and they're good. So, I mean, I, I think, yes, it's possible, but I I have never had a list where I've been like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to include Thankful or Vermin Lord here. 
what does and I, I agree with you by the way i'm 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 special when it comes to monsters like give me give me monsters that's why i run destruct that's why i run like suns and i run dragons and i run everything that's big right and i think if i was running skaven i definitely want one if not two vermin lords if you were to drop let's say the vermin lord and a thankful from the list so let's say it was pure bodies what do you gain and what do you lose like do you think that there's much to actually like from a playstyle perspective, or do you think you're just losing something too much for you? Um, I don't think it's losing too much. I think we're just going into a much more um, kind of variance-heavy list. I think Molder is really, really good, but it's going to depend a lot on your three-ups. So I think I've played around with an all-Rat-Ogre list where you just launch Rat-Ogre after Rat-Ogre into your opponent with the Crack the Rip, and... You're just devastating them, and every time they die, well, for the first two, uh, you get a three-up to bring back another unit. You can easily play with an extra thousand points of summon units, basically, if you make your two three-ups. Um, the amount of bodies you can field is immense, so I think you go like a Molder Skyre build there, where you have a lot of shooting, and you have your huge melee threats. Um, it's just, you are definitely playing with a lot of variants when you take those types of lists. And again, I think the Vermin Lords kind of give you that magic dominance that Molder doesn't have. Uh, all of the Vermin Lords are double casters, which is really, really good. Uh, they all love Flaming Weapon because they don't have their own lore. They they love it. Um, yep. And they provide that character slot to bring in other battle line units. Um, most of the Vermin Lords, or actually all three of the Vermin Lords, have a specific command ability, which affects their clan, that she gives plus one to hit and plus one to wound. It's really, really, really strong in this uh, game. It's just a huge percentage increase. And for a lot of your units, I don't think anybody's a 2-2, two, two, but a lot of things are 3-3s. Three, so like Vermin or Storm Vermin with 2-2s two with 90 attacks is devastating. So there, there's just so many uh, special abilities they bring onto the table. And the, the spells they have on the War Scrolls are really, really strong. Dreaded Death Frenzy, amazing. It, Sk Dreaded Skitterleap, also really amazing. The Corruptor is the cheapest one. His kind of sucks, but eh, you, you do what you do. And the last thing I'll call out, because Ramon's nailed it for me as well, as someone who does play 160 goblins, moving a horde of models is just oh. not fun, if yeah. that's your type of thing. Um, I will say, though, as well, like I think your point around, if I wasn't going to run Thankful, if I wasn't going to run a Vermin Lord, I, the visions that I have is definitely either as you said, the, uh, the pestilence and it's just like a couple of bells and all the monks um, known to man, or it would be probably a heavy shooting scryer list. It probably can't be all scryer. As you said, maybe master clan or something, or even Eshin for some bodies, but it'd be, you've got to find the offense somewhere. And without, without a vermin Lord, you are over relying on like your shooting offense because you don't have a lot of combat offense. Like, yeah, your storm fiends, you can go heavy on storm fiends, but, um, but because of their large bases, you never get all the models in. If you start reinforcing them. Skyer, unfortunately doesn't is great for damage, but doesn't have a lot of up the board presence is the downside. So yeah. when you play Skyer, you're usually very slow and you're shooting from a distance because like your storm fiends are going to blow anything away, but you don't want to get blown out in the same time. So like my nine storm fiends are going to kill a lot of stuff, but if I ever lose them, I lose the game. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. I've I've played against lists where it's like nine storm friends, and once that unit of storm fiends are gone, it's like the, the army crumbles because you put so many points into that unit of nine. <laughs> um, speaking of spells, we talked a little bit about spells. Do you have any favorite spells and prayers? Obviously, we won't go through all of this. This is not story time with Coach, but like, are there ones that you really like? Are there ones that you like? I need to definitely have a Gracier in my list because I want Skid Elite. You know, do you try to get all of them or? Uh... I don't really have um, spells that I fall into for the generics. I do think a Gracier with Death Frenzy is very good, but that's going to be dependent on the list you're playing. 13 inches holy is really hard to achieve for Skaven past turn one. So uh, if you want to take Death Frenzy, you're usually just going to take the Warbringer and then throw those units up the board because you get D3 instead of the one. Um, and it can affect heroes instead of just units. Uh, the other two uh, are okay. Scorch is pretty bad, but Skitterleap is also another great thing. Skitterleap is not as good in this game because you have your gnaw holes for turn one jumps. And if you're taking a deceiver, you just have a better Skitterleap. So Graciers are okay, but they're really support pieces that are not always going to be great. Um, the Skyr Wizards, uh, really all I take is Warp Lightning Shield. It's just to prevent myself from dying. The other two are dependent if you're playing Storm Fiends or not. Uh, Mormon War Power is very, very good. It's still really good compared to the last edition, which was rerolls instead of plus one, plus one. But it's really only good on Storm Fiends because the D3 wounds is going to kill a lot of things and trigger battle shocks for the rest of your units, like Gisales. Gisales are already twos and threes, so they really only get plus one to wound. Uh, cannons don't benefit from it. If you do it to a character, you're going to kill your character. <laughs> um, Doom Wheels, I guess, can benefit from it, but you're only going to be able to cast it once on turn one, and then your Doom Wheels going to be too far. Yeah. So and Doom Wheels a single unit, so you've got one. one. Yeah. You got one try at it, and it's it's like you can all out attack if you really need to for half that bonus without any risk. Yeah. Um, the Pestilence stuff is really good because you're playing much more in a bubble. But I really just take the Rabid Rabid on my Plague Priest for the plus one attack on my Corruptor the turn I throw him in. It's really, really easy to do. Um, it'll be on a two-up when you're next to the hole. Great. And then after that, his generic uh, prayer that Plague Priests have are just as good, honestly. It's four up for D3 Mortals on a point within 13, so kind of a 16-inch range. Um, it's reasonable enough to cast that on the other times that you're not wanting to. Or he can cast Rabbit Rabbit on himself for a plus one attack. He can go in and clean up a weak unit. I love that there are so many different variants to this. It's like when you look at this, there's some really good lists and there's really good ideas, but it's not like there's the one single. Like you look at Daughters of Cain, everyone wants to get Mind Razor off. So you you wait for Mind Razor, you hold that unbind, you're ready to go. But here there are so many threatening abilities and so many threatening spells that there is so much list diversity, which is what I really enjoy. Uh, good question as well. Speaking probably from our Vermin Lord conversation, I guess this is the other swing, right? So somebody asked, you know, what happens if we don't run any Vermin Lords? What if we run all the Vermin Lords? Do you, how do you feel about running multiple Vermin Lords? And this is this is the list that I would run if I was Skaven. I'd run all the Vermin Lords, all of the Doom Wheels, and we'd go to the bar um, probably midway through the game. So I really do like Screech, um, the new Screech. I don't think he's that great when he's the only one. Um, I think three Vermin Lords is unfortunately the max. Uh, you just kind of run out of points at that point. You want some type of threat. 
And because they all want to take flaming weapon, they do kind of compete with themselves on what they want to cast. Um, I personally run two at the two right now. I run my Deceiver and I run a Corruptor, but I also have run a Warbringer in the past. Um, I think two is really solid. And if you're running two, you can still fit in a lot of stuff into your list. Uh, Thankful basically plays like another Vermin Lord. So if you want to run Thankful and the Warpseer, you can take a really magic dominant list where you have uh, three casts at like plus four. You can have your Warpseer who rerolls everything and be at plus one or plus two if you're lucky. There's a lot of stuff you can do to build those those Vermin Lords in. I don't think four is the right way to go. I think you just run out of bodies, unfortunately, at that point. Um, it's a cool idea, but you don't. It you're is not cool. Sun, yeah. You're not sons. You don't score objectives. You're all yeah. about the kill, but you're not that killy. Like you're not. You're not. You're not mega bosses. Like you're not more crushes. You're not sons. You're not terrorgeists. You like you're good, but you're not that good. So yeah. I mean, obviously, if you want to run a fun list or it's your favorite model, you do you. But if I was running a Skaven list, I think two would be my max. Two and Thankful at most. But I think you're right. I think two is enough to still give you extra things on the side. It gives you basically a turn one and a turn two to throw these guys in. And because of the way they compete with buffs, you kind of want to layer them in. So the first one can go in. He can get Mystic Shield. He can get Flaming Weapon. He can throw up Arcane Bolt. He's ready to go. He's ready to party. You throw him into something weak. He blows it away. And then on your opponent's turn, he finds a Sour. That's a huge Vermin Lord they got to deal with. And then next up you've got the deceiver who's ready to come in and when he comes in he'll also be loaded up because now he's free again to get flaming weapon he can get mystic shield next turn he can get the arcane bolt so i really like two i think three is just too much point investment and um vermin lords are probably one of the best models in the game to receive artifacts and you're really really stressed to get that third artifact i just don't think it's worth it but two is really really easy and i think it's really really beneficial I tell you what, I played against a list which had, I think it was 30 Storm Vermin supporting um, a Vermin Lord um, as a bodyguard. And it just made, like, he just threw that Vermin Lord up, kept his Storm Vermin in range to be the bodyguard. And then he hit like a truck with the flaming weapon. Then on the return back, it just it just kept staying around because of it's just bouncing. Was it was it a four up ward? It's a four up if you're not if you're playing any but the Warbringer. The Warbringer because he's in faction with the Storm Vermin is a two up ward. So that's Ooh. he's like basically impossible to kill with the thirty Storm Vermin. Yeah, and look, with um with flaming weapon, if if the the Storm Vermin it's not Storm Vermin, the Vermin Lord killed what it wanted to kill, then it had a chance to heal up. So it just made this super tanky. And, you know, because the Storm Vermin weren't in combat, then he could be using Rally, especially as that unit of 30 is getting down to like 10 to 15. Mm -hmm. You can Rally, bring them more up. It's rinse and repeat. So um, I found that combination really powerful compared to a third solo Um a third solo uh, vermin lord. Yeah. A couple of other good questions from the chat or good comments from the chat. Flamingo Pie mentioning that ratlings are, are good uh, for more, more warp power. Mm -hmm. That's just they're unlikely to survive. Um, the, problem with, the problem with a lot of the weapons teams, or well, the 
only Ratlands really benefit from this, is they don't come out until the movement phase. So that means they had to be visible the turn to get the spell off. And that's really dangerous because those things will die to a, a sneeze because they're three wounds with the six up. So like if anything touches them, they're dead. Um, again, it's just with the, the 13 inches is really, really hard to do. You'll get that explosive turn when you want it. But after that, it's, it's really, really hard to play around with it. Again, it goes back to the trading up. It's mm -hmm. just the trading up. Um, Gwendar also mentioning Screech and the Deceiver, best combination for, for them. Uh, Giselle's cannons and rattling guns as well with the spell portal and Dreaded 13 is tons of threats in turn one. Mm -hmm. uh, the the Deceiver basically gives the other Vermin Lords the ability to get in turn one. And that is really, really strong for all of them. All of them hit really, really hard. Uh, I think the Warbringer is technically the best math. Um, but the Corruptor with the Blade of Corruption, which is what I've been running, is a huge variant swing. I At the last tournament I went to, he did four wounds one game, and then the next game he did 33. So <laughs> there's a huge, huge swing on some of those vermin lords getting in and you'll usually kill whatever you get in with again you can have arcane bolt you can have a stomp ready so you're doing some mortal wounds and then you'll have your weapon um screech is also really good for this again they're all relatively speaking putting out like i think 13 to 14 wounds on average with just their attacks i think screech is a little bit more and the warbringer is a little bit more um, but that's going to eat through most like medium-sized units, or even a, they're going to clear a small unit, and then they have to be dealt with. They're going to be buffed. They can have finest hour. They all kind of operate in that same field. So I, I really have been fine with all of them except for the Warpseer. The Warpseer is just the lowest of the tier, but he serves a different role. So you just don't you don't have that in your list if you're going to play that way. And that's the key, right? Like, what is the what is it that you want this unit to be doing? And I think that's where, again, having too many of them could be like, well, yeah, it's a great idea, but what are they actually doing and how are they going to help me win the game or enhance my army? A couple of other burning questions that I want to get into your list is, one, how do you find these grand strategies and battle tactics? Are you finding that you use them or are you sitting more in your, your battle, in the, the general's general handbook? So I'll do the grand strategies first. I think they're all terrible, honestly. I Sadly, they just don't really work with Skaven. Your stuff's going to die, whether it, your opponent killed it or you killed it. It's really, really hard to keep three heroes alive. And also because they're different sections, if it was just keep three heroes alive, it would be a lot easier. But it's really, really hard to qualify for a lot of these. And then also keep all three characters alive. I just don't think you ever take any of these. They're almost impossible. And if you've achieved this by some miraculous happening, you've destroyed your opponent anyway because you've tabled them like turn one. You almost, you almost want to take if you're if you're going all like we have it into a world where it's like um, gen uh, battle battle plan uh, not battle plan battle tome uh, general grand strategies only. You've kind of got to go five or six heroes just to have a chance, yeah. right? Because yeah, you might have one or two tanky heroes, but you've got to fill it with four wound, five wound idiots as well. And they'll die to a stiff breeze. Or you're like, yeah, it's... It's uh, just way it, too scary. And most of the time, you're not even going to want to... To to protect yourself with these is probably a game-losing strategy anyway, because that means you're going to be too safe with units that you want to be doing other stuff with. 
well, you're putting 200, 300 points just hiding, just purely to yeah. hide your green strategy compared to like Zinch, who, who just like put nine destiny dice into the side and they yeah. auto win that green strat. You're, yeah, it's a bit. Well, what is a good grand strategy for um, for Skaven? Um, take what's theirs is a great one uh, because you are naturally going to be in their deployment zone because you are an aggressive army and you have the ability to gnaw hole in late or skitter leap. You're relatively fast. So that's a really good one. And then the other one that I've dabbled with is uh, the kill all battle line one. I think it's a little bit more scary depending on what you're playing versus. Um, flies have kind of disappeared uh, up here, or they're not as common as they were before. Last week I played ten of them. Well, ten of them, yeah. ten of them so, plus uh, plus Bellacore. I they think if you, if you have Nurgle in your meta that's running rampant, then that's just off the table. But if it's not, then that's actually one to consider because you are killy enough. And with Skaven, one of the best strategies you can do is if they if they have a big character. You're really, really good at killing through armor for one big character with an Eshin or Warp Lightning Cannons. Like, you can nuke one character. So if they hide that big character, you just kill everything else. And then you just say, you can't win the game with one guy. Um, I still play Take What's Theirs because I think it just naturally flows into the game plan that I'm playing. And yeah. again, with Not Holes, it's very, very easy to get two to three units in your opponent's deployment and then be like, okay, cool. You probably don't have two to three left. Or if you also took take what's theirs, we're just going to do a wash because you need to be in my deployment. So you're not going to go back and clear me out. I will say as well, though, with um, with Nighthorn at the moment, with most of their army's battle line, and with Suns coming out, and basically every model Suns in Suns is a battle yeah. line. Like if Suns yeah. goes rampant, you've got to kill potentially four Mega Gargans, and they're all battle lines. So. Yeah. Are you confident you could do that? I think I think take what's no. theirs is still probably <laughs> yeah. the better. It's still the better choice at the moment, as opposed yeah. to because sometimes that kill or battle line can be really easy, and sometimes it can be way too hard. Especially with the new Suns book coming out, I think Suns will see a huge popularity increase again. So I think it's just take what's theirs. So yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm t I'm totally not switching from Stormcast to Suns for LVO. I'm, <laughs> Yeah, Suns will always be popular. It's very easy to field, and basically, if you see that, you just lose, or you lose your grand strat. You're never killing four giants. Not or, four. When I think of grand strats, I want it to be the difference in a game, not a I tabled you and I got my grand strategy because then it it doesn't really matter. Your grand strat needs to be the difference in a game, not the icing on the cake, because then it you could have taken anything, so it won't matter. What about the battle tactics? Do you like any of the battle tactics? I don't recall any of these being used against me in the eight odd games. Um, so the battle tactics are a little bit more unique. Um, I don't, they're not really something that's always on the table. So when you build your list, usually you get one of these on the table during a game. So I play Skyr and uh, Eshin. The Eshin one is okay. It's you need to kill a hero that has ten of wounds and doesn't have any wounds on him. Very possible, but it's a little bit harder and it's a little bit scarier to do. And your opponent doesn't always qualify for this, so that's okay. It's a nice little thing to have. Um, the Rat Ogre one, if you're not playing Rat Ogres, you don't even qualify. I don't think the Rat Ogre one is very good because even if you do qualify for it, you need to heal the three wounds. And that's like two dice rolls normally, and you could just flop. So that's a little scary. 
Um, the fire fire more more is probably the best one and the easiest one to do. It's just kill a monster with sky or shooting. A lot of lists mm. have sky or shooting, and it's not do all of the wounds. It's just kill. So you can very very easily prep a monster to die to like a Gisele or a Warp Lightning cannon. It's yeah. very, very easy to do. That's easily the best one. Most people are going to have Skyr units in your army because it's a great fill at the end. And then lastly is the Crescendo. Uh, you're only getting this if you're playing Pure Pestilence, basically, because you're never going to have three Plague Priests without Pure Pestilence, I don't think. So again, that's a that's a list decision way beforehand. But it is an easy battle tactic if you go that way. Yeah, I've I've played against an army that was heavily going into the Great Plagues and they wanted to have like a 50-50 Pestilence and Scryer and the Crescendo worked really well for them. But if you just had one Plague Priest, if you just had like one or two, it's clearly off the shelf. But you're right, like Fire, Fire, More, More is a perfect one. And where I've seen it done really well is you're not picking a monster who is basically fully healed and trying to kill them. You're chipping away at them throughout the round and maybe turn two, turn three when, because again, because you're so unreliable, it's hard to look at a 14 wound monster and saying, yep, I'm going to pop you off this turn. I'm going to blow him off this turn. Yeah. But you can just leave him on one or two. Perfect. Be like, I can easily find the one or two somewhere. Boom. Especially like if you pick a monster hero of mine and you pick that particular battle plan, you know for a fact I'm going to be healing. I'm going for that that hero recovery, so that makes your job just that little bit harder. That yep. um, it, it's a good it's a good little one. But you're right. I think the Rad Ogre one's a bit questionable for me. The Eshin one's a little bit questionable for me. Obviously, Crescendo, as you said, it depends on the, the it depends on the yeah, build. You, yeah, you have to be playing a specific build to even qualify. So. Which leads me to your build. This is the build that you ran at the uh, the the Nova Open, um, and I hope I cop- captured it correctly because Discord plays around with some of the asterisks and uh, making sure that you had your Warlord Battalion. But you have gone twelve drops, so you have not played the drop game, and I think you've already made some really good comments on why battle regiment for you is probably not that important um being able to like outdrop your opponent seeing the cards that they play being able to counter respond um and ultimately like you don't see a lot of skaven armies really needing to go first because you've got long range threats as well as you've got some combat punch so you 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 can do things regardless of going first or going second but You've gone take what's theirs. You've gone inspiring. You've got yourself two vermin lords, one being the corrupt, the one being the deceiver. You've got a loadout, and people can read on the screen the loadout. You've also got the plague priest, the warp uh, warlock warlock gen- engineer. You've got two units of clan rats, 15 gutter runners, uh, one lightning cannon, two units of gisales, and uh, gutter runners for 1980. So 106 wounds. Uh, and a great little combination of flaming weapon. You've obviously gone flaming weapon twice for redundancy. Um, and then combinations like, you know, the blade of corruption. You, how does this work? Is this, is this your 500 point little pockets kind of coming together? Yep. What's it do? What were you worried about? Probably is the other part as well. Like when you went into the Nova were there particular armies, you're like, I've got to handle Nurgle. I've got to handle Nighthorn. I've got to handle what you're thinking here. So I think the scariest things for Skaven players are usually going to be Seraphon and also Giants. Um, giants are much more dependent on the matchup, or I mean the, the mission. So Skaven are really, really good at spreading people out, 
but unfortunately prize of galay and um realmstone cash are really 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 hard for skaven because if it, you play giants in that scenario, they can just take up early space. And like we talked about, you probably can't kill four giants in a game. You can kill two, maybe a third. And they they are great targets to be stretched out. They can't really guard gnaw holes that well. Or if they do, they need to try and knock it over. But they're still going to guard it for a turn. That's great. That's one-fourth of their army. But for these types of missions, it is really, really hard to play giants. Because they're going to sit in an objective. You're not going to be able to get it. And was that was that a worry of yours though? Given that this was Nova about a month ago, uh, there were there are several Giants players who I know are very good, and I believe two of them were four and one going in the last round. I know one played on stream. I think I, Scooter barely beat one before he got into the finals, um, but there was it. Realmstone Cash was the fourth round, and that was the make or break turn. Um, Silk Steel was right after, so Silk Steel, I've crushed giants every time, but Realmstone is really, really scary for those types of matchups. Um, just the the lower scoring games where your opponent doesn't need to spread. It's yeah. it's really, really rough if they have better um, board control, which giants are one of the few ones that do because they'll outnumber your expert conquerors. So who who were you worried about? Like when you're going into Nova and the, the local meta or the current meta, at least in America, I know I've been thinking about like how do I handle Nighthaunt, especially Scarlet Doom with their little castle and the mortal wounds on the charge and retreat and charge. Nurgle, at least for me, is still very popular at the moment and Flies especially. It's not just that one list I played. Nurgle is still very powerful at the moment what are the what are the lists that you're thinking about and again how did how does this respond uh seraphon thunder lizards are probably the worst matchup for this um seraphon with the minus damage is really 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 strong against everything in your army both the vermin lords are damage two base but that with flaming weapon they can get to three but because they have slons they're usually going to beat you with the plus three so your vermin lords go to damage one which is really, really bad for both your vermin lords. Um, they're just not going to battle out against Stegadons that well because they're damage one. So even the damage that does get through, it's going to be reduced. And then the warp block, are the uh, the warp block Gisales are also damage two base. You can pump them to three with the warp stone, but again they'll go back to two because of thunder lizards. And again, you're just not doing as much damage as you want to get through. You're really going to lean heavily on your warp lightning cannon and it needs to pop off turn one or two because it's going to get um, accommodated to make sure it dies by turn two. It's going to take an extra 2d3 mortals. So it's really only going to get two shots most of the game. Yeah, um, and that warp, that warp lightning cannon, I've never seen it run as one. I've always seen at least two, if not three. And that's because, um, and if people haven't looked at the warp lightning cannon, it's it's a fascinating war scroll because you don't actually roll the hit or to wound you roll the dice and that's your power level, I guess. And then you roll a bunch of, is it six dice? You roll a bunch of dice uh, and anything that's six above. Base, and then because I have an engineer, I can bump it to 12. So you're rolling 12 dice. And if I roll a two, on uh on my initial roll then every two up is going to be a mortal wound mm -hmm. but if i roll a five or a six which i've seen plenty of times then you're rolling those six to twelve dice going for fives and sixes so really you get a couple of mortal wounds at best and a roll of a one you take damage yourself right so yes you take d3 so you'll usually because of the engineer with 12 dice you usually will kill yourself 
after 2.5 rounds. But with Seraphine and the Comet, you're going to kill yourself after two for sure. Or they're going to finish you off with Comet. Um, and then the last bad matchup that I did think I had was Zinch. Um, Caleb, I played Caleb and Anthony. Um, I've played Caleb twice now. He's beat me both times. The first one was much more narrow than this one. Um, but Z Skaven really, really love to get their magic off, even though it's deceptively like unimportant. Like Mystic Shield on a Vermilord is a really big deal, and same with Flaming Weapon. So when they stop those things, your potential just shoots downwards. And they're all these nice-to-haves that you just won't get versus those people. Um, again, you lean much more heavily on your shooting. So the Warp Lightning Cannon is really, really good versus Kairos and the Lord of Change because you could just randomly do 12 wounds, but you're probably only going to get one or two shots before they take it out because if they get close enough to kill you, it's going to go down. So those were my my two really scary matchups, and then my third was Giants, depending on the round. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fascinating. Uh, I've got Caleb coming on the show tomorrow, by the way, so I'll, I'll send your regards. But like, are you worried about Z the new Zinch now, um, now the, the new book? I haven't talked uh, – I, I talked to Caleb yesterday about it. He said it wasn't as good, so I, I'm hoping not as much anymore. But They do they do less mortal wounds than they – like Gift of Changes changes. A few, they're less of a mortal wound castle than they used to be. But I guess when I look at this and I think about like some of the meta lists at the moment – you, you want to have some offense, right? You want to be able to handle Big Wah, Iron Jaws, Suns, right? You need to be able to pull them down in combat. But at the same time, you've got things like Stormcast, things like Nighthaunt, certain armies that have more of a castle. As you mentioned, Lord of Change, Lumineth is going to come out pretty soon, where you want to have some range to be able to pull down those critical pieces hiding behind layers of screens and bodies. So um when i look at this list i'm seeing a bunch of combat between your, your your vermin lords i am seeing some range i am seeing some screens you've obviously got your support pieces um how does it all work how does it all come together on the table this list so my turn one was very simple where it's you castle up around your nahal all five of your casters and your priest if you want to count him as a six are going to get plus one to their cast most games, your opponent has to deploy defensively if they're letting you go first because you have your ambushing gutter runners, which are going to come in nine away from your opponent, six from terrain, but most boards, it's very it's very much similar to a normal deep strike at that point. Um, they are mortal wound shooting, and they're no rend, but it's 45 shots with the 15 man and 15 shots with the five man. With that volume, you're going to clear out some weaker chaff, and that's totally fine if that's the best thing you can do. Um, you have your 30-inch range from your Gisales. That's a lot of the board. It's really, really hard to hide from them. And then you have your cannon. So with all that shooting, it kind of forces your opponent to deploy safe. And because of that, you can skitter leap your corruptor up turn one and throw him in six inches away with all your shooting still shooting chaff. Um, Every game that I went first, that's basically what I did. Uh, Skitterleap only needs a six, so you need a five if you have your knothole, which you always will, and you only need a four if you have an arcane piece, which some of the times you will. So that's a pretty reliable thing. They're going to be 30 inches away from you because they don't want to get blasted by those cannons or those Gisales, so you're usually going to be able to get your spells off with no harassment. And then after that, you've jammed a Corruptor who's going to kill whatever he gets in touch with most of the time, who's got Mystic Shield. He's going to Finest Hour on their turn. So you have a 2-up, 5-up, 13-wound uh, model 
who can all out defense if he really needs to to get to a one-up save in their face turn one and you have your clan rats who have a huge profile going to grab all the objectives you get plus two to run so those clan rats are super super fast turn one and then on your turn two if they don't double you you can do the exact same thing with the deceiver just launching him right in after too because he's going to six inches away and by that time most games i can usually blow my opponent out where i've just killed so much stuff in their turn one turn two that they don't have the ability to come back or if they double me now they've still got this screen in front of them and they have a vermin lord that they have to deal with while all my shooting is still alive unharassed all right a lot of great things i was pulling up my battle tome going about to um actually you i'm going where is skittleleaf what is going on but then i realized that a deceiver has dreaded skittleleaf so it wasn't we're not talking about the skittleleaf spell that you can choose from the spell law we're talking about the war scroll spell dreaded skittleleaf so uh this the deceiver's got that one which which helps and i know and i've been in that situation where a, a vermin or deceiver is in my face turn one mm -hmm. whether it fails the charge and it's just sitting there as a massive threat or it's charged in and now i've got to grind before i've even put any of my buffs down right i've got a couple of cp but i haven't done anything so um i want to go back to something you mentioned about your gutter runners and some of your shooting units shoot you know doing some damage uh, clearing screens things like that what are the, what are good targets or what are the types of things if i'm going to be like that what are the types of early targets i should be looking for are they my screens are they my support heroes uh, like how do you think about what to pull down first so if your opponent deploys correctly in my opinion which is they screen in their big monsters um skaven do you get this ability to pick one character in your opponent's army that all eshin units get plus one to hit and plus one to wound versus that guy he's the assassin target basically um i think it's marked for death as the actual uh name of the rule um gutter runners with plus one to hit and plus one to wound on that character is too much to take for most characters in the game. I usually can kill a Maw Crusher or Kragnos pretty easily with all these models because the Deceiver can get into you with the six inches if I really need to. And with the mortal wound shooting from Gutter Runners, threes and threes with mortals on sixes is just a lot to really fade. And they can also always charge you on a nine if I really need to. So How many a lot of the gunner runner do like, uh, they it... have three with the shooting and two in combat. So it's so if three three attacks each. Mm -hmm. Um. So what's that? Forty five attacks. Forty five mortal... with one unit. Mo one mortal wound for sixes. Mm -hmm. So what's it's usually effect? it's about seven. It's just shy of seven. So it's just seven mortals on the shooting, and that's if only the fifteen shoot you. If the five shoot you, also it's going to pump it to uh, ten. So and then if they charge you it's going to be more but also the little uh the other hits that get through even if you're two up are you're looking at three to four more wounds just from that so they're going to nuke most characters and that's with a two up save i'm not counting in wards but that's enough to neuter most big characters um that and if the deceiver catches you on top of that he'll definitely finish off most models i don't think there's hardly any models that can survive all of that altogether which was going to lead to my next question is, um, and Josh, I'll get to your question in a minute. Um, if you're going to throw up your, your Vermin Lord Deceiver one-fifth of your army aggressively in turn one, again, what are the types of targets? What are the things that you're looking to do with the Deceiver? Is it to tank up and just be an absolute threat and pin the opponent down? Is it to pull down the things that the gutter runners have chipped against? 
Again, talk to me through your logic. So the Deceiver can do everything. Honestly, I just want him to kill something turn one. Because of the Shadow Magnet trinket, and because he'll be always strikes first, uh, the Shadow Magnet pops at the start of the combat phase, so you can pop it on your turn one. Um, you will always strikes first, so you basically get to go with two units before your opponent does, so both Deceiver, or both uh, Vermin Lords can get in, or the Deceiver plus the Gutter Runners, or whatever. Um, if you do that, you will probably kill what's in combat with the Deceiver because you've either chipped away with the Gutter Runners or it's Chaff and you're going to nuke them anyway. Your opponent then goes. Your Deceiver stays AS or always strikes first until your next combat phase. And because of the scurry away rule, even if he's in a bad combat, he can still jettison himself out 12 inches and he's not able to be shot within nine. So if your opponent doesn't have magic and they can't surround him, which he's a big base, so it's pretty hard to do, um, he's pretty much just safe for two turns, no matter what. Because a lot of people don't have Always Strikes First available to them to get to him before he can just run away at the start of combat. Yeah, I know when I've handled that type of thing, it's because I've had volumes of, you know, had a lot of shooting for, you know, adjudicators who do a lot of shooting with their crossbows, dragon's breaths and things like that. So I've been able to pull it down. But for the average person, um outside of the combat phase one you've struck me and you've already done significant damage but two they probably don't have enough volume and just just types of damage to be able to pull down a deceiver that's in your face and again he can't be shot from nine away so most units if they can get within close enough to trigger the redeploy there's chances you just get out of nine or at least half of dragons say there's mm. four dragons coming at me if i roll a four or a five only two can probably shoot me at that point and then I'm fine with getting shot by two dragons. They're going to do maybe four, five mortals. I'd have a five up ward. I'll take three, whatever. Uh, unless you're me who rolls ones and twos for days. Oh, well, I'll take nothing. Yeah. Does nothing. <laughs> it does nothing. Yeah. I do that all the time. It's the worst. <laughs> Josh asked a really good question, and uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer on this one. It's uh, And this is probably, as a Suns player, one that I was really disappointed on the change, is when you do smash to rubble on a null hole, Correct me if I'm wrong, you can still teleport because it doesn't shut off the ability of the Narhole, yes. right? So the ruling, I I have my book right here. I believe the rule terminology is it's just a friendly Narhole, and it keeps its word of being a Narhole. So you can teleport into, but not out of, because you've lost the ability to trigger the... Uh, whatever you would want to call it, the rule of the Narhole itself to get in, but you can always get out. Yeah, it's got some bizarre stuff. I'm pretty sure, yeah, that was my understanding. I have to look at the read, look at the words. It's it's a bit silly. Mm -hmm. I liked it when it was just like you lost all the abilities. Yeah, it. I would like it to be clean and just be a piece of rubble at that point, but that's not how it works, unfortunately. But, yeah. M Manny asked another good question, which was around, you've talked a lot about the reliable damage um, coming from things like your gunner runners, right? I guess the question is, why not more gutter runners? Why not have like more gutter runners with, you know, a couple of assassins to buff? You know, you mentioned as well, like slinks and, you know, tapping into that type of thing. Like you could do, uh, to what Manny said, you know, you could do a serious alpha strike with that type of um, thinking. What's so your I, comments? I used to run slink with this list. Um, the only change out for slink fitting in here is you take out the Plague Priest and the other five Gutter Runners, and that becomes Slink and his crew. So I played that at Summer Slaughter. It plays very similarly. Um, it's a little bit more aggro turn one, but you lose a little bit of consistency in your Corruptor. Um, 
the Plague Priest gives the plus one attack to the Corruptor, so that helps a lot with his consistency. And um, the Plague Priest gives uh, random outs with the Great Plagues. Like, Great Plagues can randomly just swing a game. Like, 2d6 mortals to an enemy unit is huge. Um, the five gutter runners math out to about the same as Slink's crew on average with the damage. So I thought about, okay, is a Plague Priest better than Slink? Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, Slink is probably going to do about the same amount of damage over the course of a game as one Great Plague. Will I get one Great Plague off? Most games I will. So that was my change there because I like the plus one attack on the Corruptor more to average out his variance. Uh, the the Eshin question is unfortunate. So the rule for the Eshin ability is you get to pick one guy uh, if you have less than three Eshin characters to get plus one to hit and plus one to wound against. That applies for all attacks. If you take the three, it doesn't apply to shooting anymore. It's only for combat. Uh, the shooting is much more important for the plus one plus one than the combat is because most of the times you're only really caring about one or two characters to be marked for death anyway because those are the characters that would survive a normal attack from any of these units like a five wound character is going to get nuked by the gutter runners anyways because like we said you're averaging seven mortals with your normal and that's just from your sixes so you don't care about the plus one plus one then um the eshin rule is very weird like i remember looking at the eshin rule and everyone was like for most other parts of the the clans, it was good because like it's like here's the benefit and then here's more benefit. But Eshin was like you got this or this. It's like it's, one or yeah. the other. It's not like more benefit. It's a it's a linear move, I would say, because you are like you want to be probably more in combat at that point, but you don't have as much ability to be in combat. Eshin has a lot of deep strikes, so you're going to be rolling for a lot of nines, and it's great if you get into combat, but. I think the the trigger is much more important. Um, yeah, it is still no. melee only. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it's not. It hasn't been FAQ'd. It, it's yeah. that's how it is. I don't think they're going to change it. I, I got to ask: Have you used a red more yet? Like you've talked about the great your plagues. Uh, have you? Actually... I haven't been able to get it on anybody yet. I I've gone for it before. Uh, I've just never triggered it. So like I I think I talked about this. There's always this weird out where you can skitter leap a um the plague priest to be near mysterious and near a novel and go for a four upgrade plague and most of the time i've gotten bubonic a ton which is the 2d6 mortals to randomly kill a character but i've never been able to get red maw on something important i i, I can't wait for someone to red maw me because i know it's gonna suck it's just so funny it's so funny that you will take advantage of one of my my heroes and they get yeah, to fight I'd love to red maw a giant king king broad or whatever when he comes out if he gets red mod whew, i want to roll that 5d6 mortals against you <laughs> i'm gonna have a blast no <laughs> oh look and, and i think one thing you know I, I, we've talked about this a lot right you know there is no one single list on skaven which is what i really enjoy and i feel like talking to you i'm just going down the nah hole uh, not rabbit hole it because like you know i could ask you you know well you know if, if you're going to do this why not this and there's so many ways to build the list that we'll be here forever talking and i think the chat would love that um unfortunately you and i have to do things outside but i, I want to get to kind of a few extra final things before we wrap things up and you know it's a great list um i i, I when, when i look at it there's definitely things that i would do differently or you know maybe you drop one of those vermin lords to put thankful in 
Maybe you don't, you know, do I run one warp lightning cannon or do I need a couple? Um, and then do I bring in the engineer to make sure that they do, they get the, the extra, is it, is it a re, is it a reroll? No, what's the engineer do? Double shots. So Double shots. normal six and engineer boost to 12. You know what I mean? And there's so many little tangents that you can do, right? And I think you've got a, a great mixture of, of um, models that you can go either way. You could go more into the into the Pestilence, more into the Molder, more into different avenues, or you can have a bit of a mixed bag as you've done. And I think one of the ways that I like to look at lists is I don't like to go all in on one because I don't like the idea of going all in on, let's say, Rend and or all in on shooting and then i come up against someone who just does it better than me and i feel powerless i want to have um tools to be able to respond to the different types of aggressive shooting magic yeah. models like i, I want to have tools That's i want to outplay you that way is you play in all the phases and you're pretty good if you want to be the best at any of those phases in the current iteration would you run a, a uh, incarnate in, in, um, in Skaven? i don't think so because the incarnate uh is just too many points uh for the skaven list i think you could run an incarnate instead of the corruptor and a plague priest but i think it kind of plays pretty much the same way uh with some downside so the incarnate is really good i just don't think it changes the play style that much and it's probably just as good as the way i play it the incarnate's ability to stick two rounds is the same basically as that corruptor because that corruptor again like i said can be at a one up five up it most things aren't going to be able to kill that one round so it's going to serve the same purpose um i also really hope that the incarnate gets nerfed or taken out of the game soon so that's the other reason <laughs> yeah uh, yeah order autumn nailing it there ban the incarnate look yeah. i love the idea of the, the incarnate i have the old incarnates of beast and fire from fantasy battles i love them beautiful but they're just still. they're just way too powerful it definitely needs to be closer to the 500 and when you chip damage and they pass the the battle shock successfully those wounds need to carry over they, they, yeah. there's some jank that needs to be closed out if, if assuming that you are someone that wants to run your incarnate in um in skaven i could definitely see the plus one attack boost helping the deceiver and the corruptor i could definitely see ways where you could use it as your offensive threat in a scryer list where you got all the mortal wound shooting and you throw your incarnate up the board mm -hmm. to tie them up and you pew 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 um what else i'm mean, sure there's a couple of other ways it could help your storm fiends as a different threat yeah. um uh, but but you know would i automatically put an incarnate into a, a skaven list and it would it be automatically better no so i think it it's similar which is still a bummer but again i'm just hoping for it to get nerfed or banned or something so yeah i think the rules it serves are found the same in other things so i guess if you play like you said i think a pure skyer list would benefit from an incarnate if you didn't go storm fiends because you're just running out of points of that um molder would be fine too it could be a company your rat ogres up the board but i think you're you're still being thematic with your army and you'll have more fun with the other stuff because you just get to play with more skaven tools i mean you could you could paint the swirls with um warp warp lightning oh glow. you could do some amazing um uh models with a skaven thing so i like there's the old uh warp gnaw vermin lord from forge world who is still legal technically that's another vermin lord we didn't talk about but um you could use you could do some conversion with him it'd be really cool uh i'm there's a ton you could do with an incarnate for skaven 
I'd have like little rats all over it and I'd obviously greens and glow, uh, even like get some resin and get like some glowy lights in the head. Like there's a lot of cool things, but yeah, I think, I, I guess I wanted to talk just about would you bring it in and does it make you better? And I think at the moment it's question mark and the role is not quite clear compared to what some other, other armies are using the incarnate for. Um, do you have any favorite endless spells to run? I know you didn't have any endless spells, but uh, obviously, we've talked about the the combination of um, Thankful and the the boat. Is there any other ones outside of that that you think work with Skaven in general? Um, if you want to take a Warpseer, Vermin Lord, I do think a um, a couple endless spells are really good. Uh, you could take Warp Lightning Vortex. Warp Lightning Vortex is unfortunately a little bit harder to use than most other endless spells. I think Purple Sun is still the best bet, unfortunately. Um, the other two, the bell is not very good, and then the Vermintide is really cool, but it's just it's too easy to play around. Um, I Warp Lightning Vortex is probably the best thing, but it's again, it's a very specific list that wants to play that, so uncommonly, no, like it's going to be the boat most of the time, it's going to be um, a thankful list that wants to bring uh, Bridge, it wants to bring uh, Lashen. Geminids, like the, those are the type of things. It's the generics that are really good for Skaven. It's your traditional ones. It's your purple yeah. sun. It's your horror ghast. It could be burning head for a little cheeky fireball. Yeah. Um, one that is is growing more popular is gnashing jaws because of the yes. long range threat. Yeah. Um, that would really nicely support like your um your warp lightning cannons and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's nothing outside of your traditional that you you would think works well. Yeah. It, it, you're you're going for really far reaches and even ko nowadays is swinging more away from warp lightning vortex and just playing purple sun so yeah you, you know, they need to rend yeah they're all rend one um flamingo pie mentioning that the vermintide has an insane range a little bit over 25 inches yeah um oh it's it's a that... huge, it's a great spell it's just it, the damage potential is very low it's 13 dice needing sixes um, and if anybody ends a move within three, it triggers, but it's very easy to avoid that, unfortunately. Gwenda also mentioning, I call out, this is a good one. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Not every army benefits well with this, but if you've got a multi-casters or if you've got a lot of casters, the cogs is really good. Mm -hmm. Gwenda mentioning cogs is very good with Screech the Deceiver to ensure flaming weapon. Um, probably a, a good shout, especially if you are going to throw 400, 500 points up the board. Uh, immediately using, you know, Dreaded Skitter Leap again with the 13 uh, Vermintide and Swords. Um, swords is, a, is another good one, actually. We probably don't see enough play with the um, the Quicksilver Swords shutting off wards, especially with the amount of Chaos and uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the specific um, Skaven spells are just not very strong right now. Yeah, yeah. All right, couple of final questions, and I'm going to make lunch. Um, how do you deploy? Um, basically, the clan rats are going to screen. Uh, gutter runners are always off the board. They always come in turn one. So really, you have your shooting battery, and you have your three characters being the two vermin lords and your plague priest. They're going to sit around your knot hole. Your shooting battery is going to sit 30 inches away from our 27 for the cannon from the closest target that you want to blast away. And your clan rats are going to stand in front of it to shrug off any deep strikes or any alphas. And that's, I think my deployment is always the same against every opponent because you have so much board presence with the clan rats. And I always want to threaten them turn one in case they make me go first. 
So do you castle up or do you spread out across the board? Um, I can castle up around the null hole with all the characters. 12 inches is a lot of movement for vermin lords, uh, but the clan rats are basically going to cover the entire frontage of wherever your army is going to be. So that or a semicircle if you're playing something else. Um, it, that will be like, enough. Like if, like if they're going to be able to like turn one charge you, you're, you're a bit yeah. more castly. But if you're not not as worried, you you can be a bit more lined out. Uh, the the clan rats are always going to run turn one since they're so fast. They're they they're minimum nine movement with running, and you're nine to uh, what is it fourteen from there. So you have a lot of spread that those clan rats are going to explode out and grab all the objectives. So it's pretty similar from there. Shooting is going to be three inches back from there. And it's almost always the same. It's this castle bunker of shooting your casters ready to pounce if they come into you. And if not, then you get to explode out through your null holes and your teleports. Do you deploy on the line of the battle plan or are you... The clan rats will. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and just to call out as well, some some good list teching there or some, some good play there. So you said that there is a three-inch gap minimum between the clan rats and... All the, the other stuff right so if someone charges you they're not gonna be able to reach out even with a three inch attack uh pile in makes it really difficult you're still protecting um those squishier shooters or magic casters to uh yeah i like it yep and 30 inches and 27 inches with the cannon and the gisales are still enough to cover the table basically there's not many deployments that they're not going to be able to reach out and touch something even with that three inches back yeah yeah, no, it's it's good play. Again, you can't take the hit. You, and if you're going to take a hit, limit the amount of damage so you can respond appropriately. Two final questions. Number one, how do I beat you? Um, and, I, and the counter to that is, I guess, as a Skaven player, how do I not lose? Like, what are the linchpins in the army that if they if you if you die or if this happens, what do I need to kind of avoid? So Skaven players have the ability to high roll you at any time. I think that threat makes a lot of players play way too safe or they'll play way too aggressive. And you want to kind of find that middle road where if if we're, if you think you're going to play an aggressive army into me and you have to go first, you need to deploy a little bit farther back to make sure that I don't make you go first and have to jam into clan rats and not do anything. I want to make you play... A, a short game with me by either forcing you to go first and just facing the music basically or i want you to let me go second still get into you because of all the teleports and the aggressive stuff and then give me a chance at a double so i think if you want to beat a skaven player you're just going to have to fade some scary roles i think every time i've told somebody for a warp lightning cannon the whole point of that warp lightning cannon is it's there to threaten characters if you're 28 inches away to avoid that warp lightning cannon, you're not doing anything. So I'm totally fine with you hiding if you're not going to contribute to the game. But if you face check that warp lightning cannon, let's say you, you deploy 18 inches away and you go first and you run straight at me, I'm probably going to get one shot and that one shot better be good. Because <laughs> if I roll a five or a six, then that warp lightning cannon was terrible and I did two mortals with 100 or 250 points, which is great. Like that that's a great trade for you. There's gonna be games I roll one and I blow your character off the board. But you have to kind of lean into that. There's gonna be a lot of scary moments where that Skaven player can do fifty damage to you and then they end up doing two and you win. But you need to make them have it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it reminds me a lot of when I play Gits, right? And uh, I love running like the Colossal Squig and the Mangler Squig. And the Colossal Squig does a lot of damage. It also has a 4d6 move. Yeah. And my opponent will be like, tell me about your army. I'm like, look, I can charge, what, 24? Yeah. Or I can, I can, sorry, I can move 24 or I can move four. I don't know what my dice are going to tell me today. So you yeah. and I are both going to learn. And what I found interesting with my opponent is they always thought about 24. They never thought about the median. They never thought, look, on average, you're probably going to hit what on 4d6 is like, I think it's 14 or something. <laughs> like, they're like, okay, well, average is 14. It's like, no, they always go to worst case scenario, which then either they push their army entirely back, they start splitting things out, and they do ridiculous things that they would never do normally. And you're right. Like, from my experience playing against Skaven in this new book, a lot of it is, look, something's going to happen. Like for me to stop Thankful and his boat is pretty, pretty difficult for most opponents. So Thankful's going to burninate something. The question is, how do I limit limit the burnination? Yeah. How do I, how do I trade and give you something? Because your Vermin Lord with the Dreaded Skiddleap is going to hit something. Yeah. But how do I make sure it's the things that aren't going to, I need to score the objective that's going to need to hit you back harder and, it's about giving up something and knowing it's going to happen and 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 embracing the the randomness i think it's like yeah. again i've been shot off by so many warp lightning cannons they run three at me something's going to happen gonna die. yeah stuff's going to have to die and you just need to make sure that when it dies you can still capitalize on what you have left yeah yeah uh question from the chat and then i'll ask my final question is is there any ways or do you have any tips on making a uh, the bell right uh if i could change the war scroll yes <laughs> are you talk, are talking right, about the gracia bell the gracia on screaming bell is one of my favorite models i have um i played malifo if anybody knows what malifo is uh i have the pied piper hamlin riding my screaming bell i love that model it is an iconic model it's one of the oldest models because the old uh, Screaming Bell is that little wagon with just a bell on it. It looked hilarious. Screaming Bells are really, really cool, really, really iconic. This new one is terrible. It is absolutely terrible. It is probably the worst scroll in the book, point for point. Because even like the crappy little rat swarms serve a purpose of being cheap and just being models that can go grab stuff. I think the bell is just unusable and it's not even close. Um, the upside from the bell is really cool, but the fact that even the best case upside fails one out of six is really, really bad. It just, Are you talking about I, the cracking of the bell? The cracking of the bell to get an extra Vermin Lord. It's a lot of work to do it. And the best case scenario, it's still just, because if you roll that one, you just lose. Like yeah. you just spent 380 points or whatever, try, and probably more to try and support that bell to get a free Vermin Lord that didn't happen. And you're not really doing anything with that. The bell is not good. <laughs> So it's not it's, really doing anything uh, until it gets that vermin lord out anyway. What is he? A so, double caster at the moment? He's gone he's back a double to double caster a... with uh, cracks call, which is a movement damage spell. It's just not good. It's it's sad, but I I wish it was not so. I loved running a bell. It's in it's in the case behind me, right there. Yeah, it <laughs> it, 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 it look, yeah, it's when, when I did the. When I did the War Scroll review, it did make me sad because the the Gracia on Screaming Bell was such an iconic piece to Skaven. And it feels weird that you don't have it in your list. Like it just, it feels wrong. 
I think Even it's wrong the... that you don't have it, and it's wrong that you're not running Doom Wheels. Please, yeah. Skaven, run I, Doom Wheels. I love, love my Doom Wheels. They're, they're also sitting right here. But I, the Doom Wheels are fun and memey. The Screaming Bell is just bad. Final question, and um, thank you again. You know, you, this has been awesome, Jacob. It's been so good to kind of get into your head. And, and, and again, like, again, Skaven is such a deep and it's an interesting book that we could talk forever and go, right, let's, let's break down pestilence and, you know, we could do different parts of this. But if you got to add one new War Scroll, a whole new thing, what would it be? Um, I actually really – so I, I play Total War. I think a new, um, like – hero rat ogre would be really really cool um there was the blood bowl rat ogre from forge world who's holding the chain and ball like mace he looks awesome if they ported him over to aos i think he would be an awesome character to have because molder is kind of the lesser on the characters it's basically just master molders so they definitely could earn a slot of a rat ogre character and i think that would be awesome so it's like a Radicar, but for yeah, Skaven. perfect. Like, yeah, like a, a perfect comparison would be like a Radicar level Skaven character who's the the Rat Ogre. So this is my one, and this this shows the type of player that I am. Uh, well, not not, not Mold. Is it Molder? Molder is the the um the beasts and no, is it? What's the Molder's yeah, yeah, yeah. the, like the uh, abominations and stuff? Yeah, the abomination, the Hell Pit, uh, Rat Ogres, and um the Wolf Rats. I want to supercharge Mulder. I don't want some stupid little little like Hydra looking thing. Give me give me something that's like turtle size, that's that's gargant size. Give me something that's just absolutely Mulder on steroids that you've injected too much warp warp stone into this thing, and it's just an abomination that just a five hundred point tar pit, um, or or and I think uh, Warhammer Weekly Vince had, had mentioned this in the past. Like a big base of rats. Give me like a big pie plate that's like more crusher size of giant rats. And it's just like these big rat pieces moving around the table, tarring up the board, pinning you down. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like nurglings almost. Like if you don't do yeah. X amount of wounds or if you can't do X amount of things, it just keeps regenerating because it's just rats. I think Molder is the weakest clan at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just it just suffers from being old, honestly. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think both of us agree. Like Molder's that one little step away from being perfect because I I really love the Pestilence stuff. They have the Vermin Lord. Skyer has so much stuff in it, even without a Vermin Lord. So Eshin just needs the- an update. Like Eshin, and and this is kind of where three D printing has really come in. It's like if you don't like the Gutter Runners and the uh, the Night Runners, which I don't unfortunately. Like you can go three D print that. Oh, it's, yeah, that, the, it's the it's the molder models where I'm like you need just need something more just something extra. The rules for Eshin and the way they play is really good, so that helps offset the fact that there's only like four or five of them. So like an Esh the the Eshin role, if you had one more unit, would probably just be like a more melee centric Eshin guy or unit. Um, so it's just not as sexy or cool as like a new molder thing that would be big and ugly and you don't see as often because like the deceivers and the gutter runners are seen a lot. So you're, you're not as driven to find that that hidden piece that you're really looking for, whereas you yeah. don't really see hell pits or um, rat ogres you can see sometimes, but not nearly as much. So we saw we saw hell pits starting to come back in between broken realms when broken realms got those extra rules. You started to see them creep in a little bit. But 
like you've just got so many better choices, unfortunately, because yeah. I do love that idea. You've got, you know, you've got your, we've talked about the different clans and there's definitely more clans that you could be brought into the table, but it just doesn't feel like. Mulder definitely has the short, short end of the stick. It just has too many fallbacks right now. And um, yeah, the triads were what I was actually thinking of, which is the person uh, Chorus talked about, but that it's just not as sexy or cool as like a new Mulder thing. So. Yeah, let's just make a big beast. I'm sure there's a big yeah. beast in the um there's the there's the molder pits, I think, in is it in Gur? Surely there's a big a big big monster that can come out into the realms. But so. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Jacob, if people want to talk to you, I know you're in my Discord and your um your handle is over there. So yeah. um come jump in Skaven. You're always talking. Anyone you want to shout out? Any anywhere else you can people can find you? Are you on Twitterverse or uh, I'm not groups? really on social media that much. I will respond to Discord the most. I my job, unfortunately, I'm not near a computer most of the day. So I respond very sporadically to stuff like that, but I will respond in my off time if you ask me questions. Discord is the best place to find me. Awesome. Well, if you're in my Discord and if you're not, the link is down below. Follow along. Uh, it, you are very, very active and well-respected in the Skaven community. I know uh, the minute you were top aiding, I hadn't even woken up. I think I was still asleep and I've got like a hundred messages. Talk to, talk to Jacob, talk to Jacob. Like, What's going on? Um, but this has been awesome. Um, thank you everyone who joined us live or has watched this on the replay. Um, thank you so much for your insights. This was great. And um, yeah, Skaven. It was a pleasure. Man, I know. Well, I'm sick of like, can people just like put Thankful away just for a little bit? I'm sick of playing Thankful and Boat. If the boat gets nerfed, you'll see Thankful disappear. Or he'll be way less common. But Do you, do you think they will? I don't think they will. <laughs> but Thankful is, I'm glad Thankful's seen some time in the sun. I reckon they need to fix the, the warp lightning, the warp lightning vortex. Like it's, fix it up. All right. Thank, pleasure. thank you. Thank you, everybody. Let's tune out. Uh, chat to you all again later. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video, as well as left me a comment to let me know what your thoughts are. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the video description. I want to give a massive shout out as well to the AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members who are going in and the funds are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you're all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a one on a redeploy.